thank you for listening to New Covenant Worship Center's Sermon Podcast. You can visit us on the web at www.ncwc.org. And now, today's message. Well, it's good to have you this morning in church. Glad to be here. I hope you're glad to be here. We're going to continue in a message that uh, we started last week talking about going through the fire. And uh, if you're going through the fire, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I hope I have some, some encouraging news, a good word for you this morning. How many of you feel like you're going through the fire? Let's just go ahead, testify, say this is it. This is me. This is for me. I'm going through. I'm going through the fire. But look at somebody say, I'm going through it. I'm not staying here. I'm not living in it. I'm on my way. I got in, but I'm going out. I'm going through it. If it hasn't happened to you, it will. I'm going to be your good pastor and tell you I'm not going to give you false hope. I'm not going to tell you Jesus is just going to make your life a field of butterflies and roses. I'm going to tell you that life happens. But I'm also going to give you the good news that he will go through it with you. That even as we talked about last week, if you'll worship him through it, he might just show up and praise and he might just show up in power. He might just show up in authority right in the middle of your fire. So we're going to talk about going through the fire. Last week we talked about the fire of trials and today we're going to talk about the fire of refinement. There's a fire that comes as we talked about last week because we live in a world that's broken. We live in a world that's after Adam's sin. There is a curse on it, and, and, and actually our spiritual enemy, the, the devil, has been given a, a leash that he can run around on. He's, he's like a leash dog. He, he doesn't have all power, but he does have a little bit, and it's, he's chained up on a leash. And in this world that we live in, he does cause some problems, and this is the world, the atmosphere that we live in. And so I want to talk about, we, we talked about that, but today I want to talk about how God sometimes sends a fire. The God we serve will send fire. As a matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews says he is a consuming fire. And there is an aspect of God's will for every one of our lives to go through this holy God sent. That's right. This holy God sent fire so that we may be refined so that we may be purified, so that way we may come out on the other side stronger. And so we're going to talk about that for uh, just a few minutes. If you will look at, we were in First Peter, let's stay there and look at chapter 1. While you're turning there, let me just give a, a shout out, a big kudos to our worship team. Last, last first of all, this week... <laughs> So, so every week, I mean, it's just, we, we're, we're, we're spoiled as a church. We are spoiled to have a, such powerful worship. And, it, and I was made aware of it. I realized it again last Sunday night. They went, we did a, a community service called Night of Glory at the Classic Center. And our worship team led worship at that gathering just did a tremendous job in ushering all of those people into the presence of God and I heard just so, from so many other pastor friends of mine and other people who were at that gathering, they were like, this is your worship team? This is awesome. This is incredible. I mean, they were just, they were just blown away. 
And for us, we're kind of like, well, you know, we're, we get it every week. But for them, they were just, they were blown away. And so I just want to, you know, just give acknowledgement to all of those who serve in our worship team, our program. Keith, um, I mean, this house is blessed because you serve and you submit your gifts and your talents to the Lord. And he, he honors that. He puts his anointing on that every week. And, and uh, I guess my prayer is that we're not, we're not spoiled by it. Amen. That, that we do cherish it and we protect it. And then we, we also get into God's presence that we're afforded and allowed to do every week. First Peter chapter one, starting with verse three, we'll read a few verses, preach a little bit and read. Uh, I'm not going to keep you a long time, but uh, the scripture says, celebrate with praises the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has shown us his extravagant mercy. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for God's, not just his mercy, but I like how Peter says, his mercy towards my life was extravagant. I found that to be true many days in my life. For his fountain of mercy has given us new life. We are reborn to experience a living and an energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4, we are reborn into, and I want you to notice how he says this, we have been reborn into a perfect inheritance. Praise God. Our inheritance with God is perfect. It's exactly what we need. It's exactly what he planned to give us. Listen how uh, Peter writes about it. He says, this inheritance will never perish. We're not going to miss it. It will never be defiled. Remember when Jesus taught about laying up treasures in heaven? We, we, we have a treasure in heaven that thieves can't, thieves can't take. Moss and, and rust can't destroy. So this inheritance that we have will never be defiled, and it will never diminish. It's never going to lose its value. It's not going down. It's, it's never going to become smaller. We have a precious and a great inheritance through Jesus and then he says, it is promised and preserved forever in the heavenly realm for you. Thanks be to God. If you will bow your heads and let's pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning. Father, thank you as we've been celebrating your son, Jesus. Jesus, I pray that you are revealed fresh and anew to us. Just, God, I just pray that the work of the Trinity is active among us today that we will experience the extravagant mercy and love of the Father, that the veil would be torn and we will get a fresh revelation of Jesus, and that the power of the Holy Spirit, the wind of the Spirit, would blow across our souls today, that even the wind of the Spirit would baptize us in a fire that we become thankful for, we become refined by, and we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Let the church say amen. So Peter comes into this chapter writing about our inheritance for those of us who have put our faith in Christ. And he says that our faith in the person and the work of Jesus Christ assures us, and he calls it a perfect inheritance, 
He says this inheritance cannot be taken away from us. In other words, in, in, you know, in the natural realm, you might have an inheritance coming because a family member died, and then you got some crazy uncle that steps in the middle and goes to the courts and contests the inheritance, and all of a sudden you've got a battle and a fight on your hands trying to get what is rightfully yours. The Word of God says that ain't going to happen. What's coming to you, you're going to get. Amen? There's no crazy uncle going to step in the way of you getting your inheritance. It's assured to you. It's perfect for you. Amen? How many of you are thankful about that? So he says, because of our faith, we have a perfect inheritance, and it cannot be taken away from us. It cannot be, I love this, it cannot be made smaller. Sometimes in, in, the, in the earthly sense, we inherit stuff that we're like, Oh, this is a piece of junk. I don't know what to do with that. You know, we inherit it. We, you can inherit it some stuff that's like, thanks, I think, you know. But God's inheritance for the believers of those in his son are not, is not like that. It's a treasure, and it does not get smaller in value. So everything that we think Christ has prepared for us, we will be given. And so he, he encourages us to put our hope in that, first of all. He says, think about this. Look forward to this. Realize that God has in the heavenly places reserved, prepared for you a great inheritance that's coming towards you. In other words, there's this idea that kind of floats around. I think it's especially popular in the Bible Belt, in the South. There's an idea that's like, well, when I get to heaven, you know, I'll just be happy to have a little cabin on the hillside. You ever heard that? God's just got me a little cottage in the corner of heaven. Listen, that is not the word. That's not the gospel. God ain't preparing cabins and cottages for his sons and daughters in heaven. He's preparing mansions for us. You're not just barely scraping into the gates and going to the back corner to live forever in a little cabin. He's prepared mansions for you. If you make it in, you're all the way in, baby, and you've got a mansion waiting for you. Nothing small. This is great, and it's yours. It's your full inheritance. Amen? Come on. Thanks be to God. Ain't you? Don't ever speak that over your eternal life. Yeah, yeah. There's no, he's not building cabins up there. He's not building cottages up there. Amen? He's preparing mansions. And the reason that's important is because we've got to have a hope in that place. And the reason we've got, we're going to find out, the reason we've got to have a hope and a longing and an expectation of our prepared inheritance in that place is because there are troubles coming our way in this life. And that hope and that promise in that place will carry us through some of the fires and the trials of this life. Verse 5, he continues on and he says, and this is, how, this is how it happens. This is the mechanism that we have hope. This is the mechanism of endurance. He says, through our faith. Everybody say that, through our faith. Through our faith. It's through our faith that the mighty power of God constantly guards us until our full salvation until we walk through those gates, until we walk on those streets, until we see that mansion that is prepared for us, until our full salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. So it's through our faith. Well, well then if it's through our faith that our hope is built up and our expectation is fulfilled at the, at the last time when Christ returns to take us home, then how do we, 
How do we make that work? How do we make our faith work? Because I'm, gonna, I'm here to tell you, things are going to come at you. And they're going to try to undermine your faith. They're going to try to beat down your faith. They're going to they're try to disassemble and knock over your faith. So how do we keep our faith strong so that through our faith, the power of God will guard us until that day? Well, I've got two quick things. They're right out of Scripture. Romans 10, verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We've got to stay in this Word. If you want your, if you want your muscles to be strong and you, and, and you're, you be physically fit, you've got to hit the gym, right? Well, if you want your faith to be strong, you can't do it not ever breaking this book open. You've got to stay in the Word of God. Somebody say amen. amen. We've got to stay. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by this Word of God. No, no other way. We've got to stay in the Word. Amen? The other thing is this, and this is the gift that God has given for, for those of us who believe in the full expression of the Spirit, and that is we build up our most holy faith, faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. When God gives us, when we receive, when we ask for, first of all, let me say, if you ask for it, he will give it to you. He's not withholding to get these things from you like a bad dad. He's giving you good gifts, amen? And when we ask for the infilling, the prayer language of the Holy Spirit, he will give that to us. And that is another way that the scriptures teach us in Jude verse 20, that we build up our holy faith is by praying in the Spirit, amen? So I encourage you, pray in the Spirit. Use your heavenly language, your holy tongue, that you can pray things, as Paul says in Romans, things you don't even know. The Spirit will give you the words, the utterances to pray. That builds up your faith. When you have a strong faith, then Peter tells us that God will, by his power, guard your heart until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So... Did you get that? You got that? We got to have a strong faith because it takes a strong faith to God's power to build up our hearts and guard us. Verse 6, he says this. I love this. And may the thought of this cause you. Now, this is the Passion Translation. This is one of the reasons I love it. May the thought of this cause you to jump for joy. Amen. Just the thought of a place prepared, the thought of heaven, the thought of Jesus, the thought of seeing loved ones who have gone before, the thought of our eager expectation in eternity may cause us to jump for joy. Praise God. Even though, and here he goes, even though lately you've had to put up with the grief of many trials. God's people should be the people jumping up and down right in the middle of grief and pain and trials. Why? Because we have an ageless hope. We have a hope in that place that we can jump for joy here and now. Amen. He says in verse 7, but these only reveal, and here we go, we're going to talk about the refining fire of God. These trials reveal the sterling core of our faith, which is far more valuable than gold that perishes. For even gold is refined by fire. He says, your authentic faith will result in even more praise, more glory, more honor when Jesus is revealed. So be, because of the fiery trials that you've been through, because of the fiery trials that you're in, because of the fiery trials that you're going to go through, Peter says we're going to be able to give God more praise, 
more glory, more honor. So God sends us through dark days, and he allows us to go through some times that are difficult. Amen? Have you ever been through some difficult times? You're like, what? God, what is happening? What are you doing? Why am I here? I don't like this. I want you to get me out. I want to get back on good ground. We're going to talk about the refining fire of God. I, I do know that sometimes there is this idea. I think it's, I think it's Southern religion. There's this idea where people will, they'll, they'll try God. I, and I've, I've, taught, I've had conversations with folks. Well, I went to church, and that didn't work. You, you know, it's like the people kind of have a mindset. Well, I went to church. You know, I, I had this thing, this, this trial, this struggle, this issue. I went to church, and that didn't work. Can I tell you, that is, that is not in the Bible anywhere. Nobody ever said, go to church, and that fixes you. I mean, y'all are all in church. Y'all, are y'all, all y'all fixed? Everybody fixed in here because you're here? Like, whoever promised that? But, I, but I've had that. I get that feedback sometimes. Well, I went to church, and that didn't work. Listen, okay, fine. Nobody ever said it would. That's, that's Southern religion, but that's not the gospel. As a matter of fact, the gospel says, John writes that Jesus said that in this life you will have many trials. That going to church is not going to get you out of them. The gospel, the real gospel, though, is that you, the promise is you will have many trials. But to take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. That's the key. Our hope is in him. It's not in our ability to go to church or be good or any of that. It's in him because he has overcome the world. Have you ever been to a restaurant and you, and you order a, a delicious-sounding entree and you know it's going to be good and you're looking forward to it and they bring it out and you take the knife and you start to cut away and you dig in and you're like, oh, it's just a little more bloody than you anticipate. Anybody ever had that happen? To, you know, you order a juicy steak and you say, well, I want it well, medium well, which is a mistake anyway. You should have your steak medium rare, but that's another discussion. But you cut into it and it's like, oh, and then you get this f funny feeling in your stomach and you're like, I can't eat this. What do you do? You send it back. The reason you have to send it back is because that steak wasn't in the fire long enough. It's not done. You send it back because it's not done. It wasn't in the fire long enough. Somebody took it out of the fire before it was adequately prepared and ready to be used. So you send it back because it's not done. Sometimes we get out of the fire too quick, and God's not done, and so we get sent back into the fire. So I want to encourage you this morning, don't, don't pray for God to get you out of the fire too quick, lest you not be done. You need to get done. You need to let his, have his full work have its, have its work in you. Make sure that as you're in the fire, stay there until you know he's done with you. You don't want to get out too quick. You're going to get sent back. Amen? Look at somebody and say, don't get out too quick. Are you coming right back? Make sure that he's done 
while you're in there. Peter gives this illustration of our faith being refined by the fire of God like, like gold is refined in the fire. When they go to refine fire, they, they, they take a thing called, it's called a crucible, and they, they put the gold that's in there, and, and the gold may be high quality, may be low quality, may have other types of alloys and metals contained in it, but they will put it in the crucible, and then they'll fire the crucible up to a temperature. They'll start at a, at a thousand degrees Celsius, not Fahrenheit, Celsius, because it takes a thousand degrees Celsius for gold to liquefy. Then, depending on what kind of other alloys and metals are mixed in with the gold, they may have to fire the, the furnace up with the crucible in it up to 12,000 degrees Celsius because the reason is the other metals have a higher melting point. And I just, I read about that refinement process. And, you know, I thought about this, that sometimes some of us go through a fire at 1,000 degrees, but... Some of you have got a testimony. You're like, no, no, no. My fire was 12,000 degrees Celsius. Like, they fired it up on me. And I just want to speak to that as Peter's using this illustration to say sometimes there's stuff in our lives that's got to take a little bit of higher heat to get off of us. Sometimes we've let some stuff get in us and get on us where God's got to turn the furnace up a little bit higher so he can liquefy and melt that stuff off of our lives. Yeah, yeah, you, you went through a hotter fire, but it took a hotter fire for God to purify your life. Listen, don't hate the fire. Don't jump out of the furnace too early. Make sure he's done working on you. It might have taken a hotter fire to get some of that cynicism off of you. It might have taken a hotter fire to get some of that hard-heartedness out of you. It might have taken a hotter fire to get some of that unforgiveness. Listen, the, I think the, the cool fires, are the ones that don't take so much are the obvious things, the, the addictions and the, you know, the things that we, that we finger point. It's those hard issues that take the heart fire, take the hot fire. It's those things, unforgiveness, that takes a 12,000-degree fire for God to melt down and get out of our lives. Amen? Amen. So he's going to do what it takes. And then once they melt it down, the gold will, will, will drain down to the bottom of the crucible. And then they, jewelers use a, a, a measurement unit called a carat. A carat is one part out of 24. That's where we get the idea that 24 carats is... It's pure gold. And Peter says that that's what God wants to do in us. He wants to get us into that place of uncomfortableness, in that place of a, of a fiery refinement. And yes, it's, it's not what we want. It's not what we enjoy. But God has a great purpose in this. And that's that he can melt away the, the alloys and the metals and the things of this world that don't belong in us, that we can come out having been tried, having been refined, having, having been purified. We can come out with pure gold, pure faith. And in verse 8, he says, you love him passionately, although you have not seen him, but, but through believing in him, you are saturated with an ecstatic joy, indescribably sublime, and immersed in glory. So I, I made a little uh, diagram that I hope can uh, explain this. I've seen this, this, this is the pattern that God uses. I've seen it happen in my life and people's lives time and time again. 
But this is the place God wants us to get. He wants to get us to this place where, where we're so filled with love for him, where, where our joy is ecstatic, that we're immersed in, we're so excited about Jesus. If you're not excited about Jesus, get ready for a fire. God wants to get you excited about his son, amen? So if we can show uh, this first diagram, when we, when we put our faith in Christ, this, is, this represents that. This is, I believe in you, Jesus, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm walking with you now. And for a time, that's enough. But God wants to do more than that, amen? And so the next thing that happens many times is this. A lot of times life doesn't necessarily go up, it goes down. And in this example, sometimes it's life, but in this example, we're, we're, we're going down into the crucible, into God's refining fire. You say, why is that? What's happening? When, when you start to go down and you get down in the fire, you're like, what's going on? You throw up your hands and wonder. You call your pastor and say, Pastor, I, need, I don't know what's going on. I need, I, need your, I need the answers that you have. And I'm like, but this is, this is God's glory, and this is where he wants to take us in the next picture. He's taking us down into the fire to refine us so that when we come out on the other side, we have, there is a greater glory that comes out of our life. There is a higher praise that comes out of our lips. When we come out and we've come through the fire, listen, we know what it's like to trust God. We know what it means that when we, when we don't have the answers, we just trust him almost with a blind faith. And we said, lead me on, Jesus, and I will follow you, and I don't even know where we're going. It means something to, do, to those who have been refined by the fire of God. Listen, the praise that emits from the, from the refiner's furnace, I'm convinced, is the kind of praise that attracts the very heart of God. Listen, you can praise him over here at the beginning when things are good, but you get down in the fire and you praise God, and that's the kind of praise that draws Jesus into your life, draws Jesus into your situation. It's when you keep praising him all the way through the process, you keep trusting him all the way through the refinement process, then he will show up in your life and he will do a great work in your life. All the way through. Some of y'all worship Jesus and your knees are swollen and you don't stop worshiping. Some of you come in here, you worship, your back's out of joint and you don't stop worshiping. I know, I look around. Some of y'all are worshiping Jesus and your families are falling apart and you're still lifting your hands and you're saying glory to your name, Jesus. I'm going to praise you. Some of y'all come in here worshiping Jesus and you got bills stacking up on the kitchen counter and you still lift your hands and say, I praise you and I believe you are Jehovah Jireh. Some of y'all come in here and you've been to the doctor this past week and he's giving you terrible news and you find yourself on Sunday in the house of the Lord lifting up holy hands and giving God your healer, your best praise right in the middle of a diagnosis. That's the kind of praise God's looking for, the praise that comes out of the furnace, the praise that comes out of a fire. That's the kind of praise that'll, when, when you praise him in the midnight hour while you're chained up in the middle of a prison, that's the kind of praise that will cause an earthquake to happen and will break chains and will shake the place and will open prison doors. 
God's looking for a people who will praise him through anything. Amen? Come on, can we just give Jesus a praise this morning? Hallelujah. Jesus, we praise you. We praise you in the mountains. We praise you in the valleys. We praise you through the storms. We praise you through the trials. We praise you through the fire. You're worthy. Listen, I love when we baptize here in water. I love it. I love people go, going public with our faith. But what I'm praying for in this church is not just a baptism of water. I'm praying for a baptism of fire. I'm praying for a baptism of fire where the saints of God have gone through thick and thin, have gone through trials and struggles and valleys, and they're still faithful. They're still worshiping. They're still praising their God. God, give us a baptism of fire. Hebrews 12 said, God disciplines us for our good in order that, listen, God brings this into our lives so that we may share in his holiness. Listen, I, I know there's a, there's a popular gospel floating around there that says you can just do anything and live any old way. You just come into church, say a quick prayer, and Jesus will check your name off into heaven. And then you can go from that place and you can drink and smoke and party and dance and do whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter. Jesus has got you. But I'm going to tell you something. The true gospel says God will discipline us. He will straighten up our crooked paths. He will make us live right so that we can share in his holiness. We're not our own God. He's our king. Amen? I know this is not going to gain a bunch of followers, but he disciplines us so that we can share in his holiness. If you don't let him discipline you, if you don't let him take you through the fire, if you don't let him purify you, then guess what? You're not sharing in his holiness. So we thank God for the fire. Hebrews says in, in, in the end of that chapter, in chapter 12, he, he says everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And we see this. I see this in, in, even in the church world. Things are shaking and they're falling. And everything that is not of God's true kingdom is crumbling at the foundation. And he says, but everything that remains is the things of the kingdom of God for our God is an all-consuming fire. So we praise him. Praise him through the fire. Amen. There's an old song that says, trials are dark on every hand and we may not understand. I love some of these old songs, man. So the theology in some of these old songs is so, so rich and, and powerful. It says, all the ways that God would lead us to that blessed promised land. He will guide us with his eyes and we'll follow till we die. And we'll understand it better by and by. Like there's just some deepness, some richness, some, some roots in some of those old songs. Amen. And I can't help but think that God wants us to grow some roots. Roots that are planted deep. Roots that are deep into the ground so that when the storms of life come, that we're not blown and, and uprooted and, and, and thrown around like, like tumbleweeds in the wind. God wants to raise up some oak trees 
that are steadfast and unmovable, that are faithful to his name. Amen? Amen. Can we stand to our feet this morning? Father, we bless you. We thank you. God, we thank you for the fact that you discipline us because you love us. Scriptures tell us if if we never experienced your rod and you never took us through the fire of refinement to purify us, God, that would mean you didn't love us. You didn't care. But what we know is your love's unfailing. And you want to work out in us a greater glory. Sometimes that requires taking us through the crucible, the fire of refinement. So, Father, I pray today there's a, there are those in this room who find themselves in that fiery place. God, I pray that you don't just take them out. You don't just pluck them out. You don't just rescue them. Father, I pray that their faith doesn't fail. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit will have his complete work in them before they're taken out. That when they come out on the other side, they will have gone from glory to glory to glory. That their feet will be set on a higher place. And from that mountain, they'll be able to turn around and look behind them and say, through it all, I didn't understand it. Through it all, I felt the pain. Through it all, I had questions. But I can look back over my life and see the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And now I give him a higher praise. Now I give him a, a greater gratitude. Now with jumps of joy, I leap at his steadfastness and his faithfulness. He is faithful. No one looking around, if you're here and you say, Pastor, that's, I'm going through fires, I'm going through struggles, and I would love for you to just pray with me and agree that God is going to do a work in this, even if it's an evil thing, that he's going to take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for my good. And I'm going to come out stronger. I'm going to come out praising him. I'm going to come out seeing, even though I can't see it now, I believe I will see what he's orchestrating in my life. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? Say, pray with me. Amen. I see those hands. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. There's an old Andre Crouch song that just says, it says it so well, through it all. Listen, God's going to take you through it, but you're going to go through it. You're going to come all the way through it till you find yourself on the other side. Having been refined by the fire of God, your faith is going to come out as pure gold. Let him do his work in your life. Trust him. Praise him through it. Amen. If you're going through it, I just want you to sing this song with me. Let's just, let's just worship Jesus for just a moment. I'm just going to ask the Lord to just do a work in our hearts. That he would strengthen our faith. That he would raise up our hearts to trust him even when our eyes can't see it. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. 
I've learned to trust in God through it all, through it all. I've learned to depend upon his word. Come on, let him have his work in your heart through it all. Teach us faithfulness through it I've learned to trust in G. He's doing that. He's doing that in us. He's teaching us, refining us, purifying us through it all, through it all, through this trial, Lord, through it all. I've learned to depend upon his word. Come on, let's sing it out again. Through every trial, through every fire, through it all. Come on, as we sing, if you'd like prayer, I'd love to meet you down here and just pray with you. He's faithful. He's going to have a work in your heart that he wants to do. If anybody wants prayer, I want to invite you to step out, come down, and I want to pray with you this morning. Let's sing it out through it all. Through it all, we trust you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the New Covenant Worship Center Sermon Podcast. We are located in Athens, Georgia, and would love to have you visit us on a Sunday. Or you can check us out at our website at ncwc.org.